I'm Adrian. I'm Hannah. And this is Chit Chat. Hey guys! Welcome to Chit Chat episode 5. We're really excited about really this Really excited about this one. Um, so who's our guest for this one? Hannah? Steph Collins. Mm-hmm. She is a psychotherapist. And um, we just wanted to jump on before the episode to say that a lot of the content in this is pretty deep and can be kind of intense. And just to let you know that this isn't therapy, not a replacement for therapy. Um, and you know, a lot of the questions that people submitted Steph hadn't read before. We did not prep Steph on the questions at all. (laughs) So she and we wanted you to know um, that we were just starting to process the questions Mm -hmm. and, you know, and wonder about them. And there isn't necessarily a right and a wrong answer. A lot of these things are things that people, you like work through as you're learning. um, And it would look different within like a therapy context. So exactly. We just wanted to come on and do that as an intro. So enjoy the podcast. Episode five. Here we go. Of Chit Chat with Steph. Can we say your last name? Yeah, go for Steph it. Collins. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead. So normally we each introduce you and then you can introduce Perfect. yourself. Mm-hmm. So I know Steph from work. Her office is on the way to my office, so I always have to pass it. But when you first started working, we didn't chat a lot. No. And then you got COVID. I got COVID like the first like three weeks that we were yeah. there. Really? It was yeah. terrible. I felt horrific. You started was... working there and then three weeks later you got COVID? Yeah. Yeah. And then... So... It was more psychologically painful than it was physically painful. Wow. I just felt like a horrible human being. Yeah. And then I never... And then I was like the new girl stuff, but didn't really know who she was because right. all of a sudden she was gone with COVID. And then at some point you moved to the office that was closer to mine. Because that's too loud. Because they had to move loud. me further from the waiting room. They could hear me through the wall. That's actually so true. And then... <laughs> I don't remember when we started talking, but I think maybe more and more I kept stopping at your office and asking yeah. more questions and talking more and more. And then I would joke that you were like my supervisor at work. And then sometimes you would have an hour off and I would have an hour off. And yes. then we would just like Aww. schedule in a work chat. Or we'd always run into each other at the thrift store. Oh yeah, lunch. we'd always see each other at the thrift store. <laughs> That's funny. And then now uh, we talk a lot yeah. at work. It's wonderful. And out, out of work. And then I invited myself over for coffee to your house. Yep. It was lovely. It was so fun. So that's how I met Steph, and that's awesome. So awesome. I also met Steph at the office um, when I spent a couple of months working there, and I'm studying um, psychotherapy and I'm doing my master's right now in counseling. And so, kind of like learning from people and asking people who are doing that kind of work is really valuable valuable to me. And so when I spent a couple of months working, I was like, okay, who can I talk to? Who can I learn from? Who can I get experience from? And so then when I was working there for a couple months, I wanted to take every opportunity to, to stop by Steph's office and chat with Steph. <laughs> so she helped me a ton. And um, I made you do a mock intake with me. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you like kind of showed me what it was like and you showed me your routines and mm-hmm. how you kind of did stuff, which is so, so helpful to actually get like experience yeah. doing stuff. Um, so that's how I met Steph. We haven't seen each other a ton in the past couple nope. months. Um, at yep. the show at Mills, like at Hannah's mm-hmm. concert at Mills, I saw you. But it's great to see you again. Yeah. And Steph is a crazy thrifter, like okay, really yeah. good. Uh, she found our doors that we have in our apartment. And like every time I've said, Steph, I need this, she finds it for me. <laughs> really? Like when I said, oh, I need leather leggings. Oh, wow. I got I a text a few minutes later. <laughs> leather leggings on the Where, shelf. Where, Marketplace? No, no, GBF. Oh, yeah, it's anywhere. G- oh, wow. Yeah. So if you need anything. Okay. I love, I definitely I love sourcing stuff. things. Yeah, it's amazing. I love thrifted things. It's a gift. Right. Thank you. You definitely still need stuff for our place upstairs. Yeah, you do. Um, so yeah. Bar stools. When yeah, Hannah came to our stools. house for the first time, 
yeah. I like slowly started pointing out and I was like, oh yeah. my goodness, my entire house is secondhand, yeah. which just feels so good. Like I just so yeah, believe amazing. in. Which is amazing. Saving. Like I feel yeah. like I've been to some people's houses that have like beautiful things inside and I always ask, oh, where did you get your stuff? And they're like, I got it secondhand. Yeah. And it's true. That's the thing. Yeah. But the if thing. you kind of had to give like an introduction for yourself, like what do you do? What are you about? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Who are you? Um, so I say to Hannah all the time, and even when you guys ask me about the podcast, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. boring. I feel like I'm just like, I just do my own thing. I know what works for me. So I'm a mom. I am definitely a thrifter. (laughs) I'm a qualifying psychotherapist. I went to a same program that Adrian took. So that was part of why I knew kind of like same professors. Mm -hmm. Um, graduated in 2012 though. So that was quite a ways away, but still a lot of the same people. And yeah, now I'm just kind of figuring out this impossible balance between motherhood and my family as my first priority, but then also trying to show up in a big way for my clients and at work. So yeah. When did you decide you wanted to be a psychotherapist? Uh, in high school. In Whoa. high school? Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I didn't know, I, at the time I thought psychologist because I didn't know that psychotherapy existed. Yeah. Mm. And... I just like saw all these kids. This was kind of like a theme in my life since I was younger where I wouldn't like somebody in class, like this stinky boy (laughs) in class. And then through circumstances, I would like lean in and get to know them more and realize like their home life sucked or their parents Mm -hmm. just broke up. And I would just like had this heart for them that these poor kids that like, you know, weren't being cared for and were kind of outcast at school needed love. And so Mm -hmm. I started kind of just like coming alongside them and try to encourage them and like boys on the bus that would get made fun of, I would sit with them and try to like speak life into them and like encourage them. But it's funny because all of, I would say there was this pattern of like, I don't know, the first 10, 15 years of my life, or not from five until 15, let's say, where the people that I originally was like, oh, like I just don't want to yeah, really yeah. want to like be around them. I don't like their attitude. I don't like, you know, whatever. Kind of like mean boys hmm. that suddenly I would just like have this heart to like care for them and look out for them and make sure they felt included Aww. and so Amazing. then I thought I think I want to do this I think yeah. and I was really bad at school but I was really good at relationships I was mm-hmm. really good at connecting with people mm-hmm. which is kind of cool like it's like the the shadow side right I need mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. how do I turn this thing into that I struggle with into a strength how do I use it for good so oh awesome. now I'm yeah and then I realized that psychotherapy a master's level therapist was a thing I didn't yeah. have to get a PhD mm-hmm. yeah was it a lot of boys that you befriended in high school? Or, yeah, high school? Hmm. Like, and because of that, do yeah. you find it easy to connect with Interesting. Like, boys in your practice now? Not that you see a lot of boys, because you see more. Well, it's definitely, unfortunately, less men come to seek psychotherapy. I think that that's right. changing, but I would say predominantly clients end up being female. Um, but just, like, such good work, I think, happens mm. in the male space. Mm. Um yeah, but I guess, I guess, yeah, growing up, it was probably more boys than... And now you raise three boys. I do raise three boys. Whoa. And I knew it. I knew in those pregnancies that they would be boys. I knew really? they would just have boys, yeah. And people kept saying, with our second especially, because I carried very different, and it was, it was a very sick yeah, pregnancy, like, that people were like, it's definitely a girl. And Whoa. for a little while, we're like, oh, maybe it is a girl. And then halfway through, we're like, no way. Did we're you just know before boys. they were born? First, yes, and the last two were surprises. Okay. But we weren't surprised at all. Like, we just... Right. Whoa! Like, yeah, did boys. you we didn't even have girl names? Really? Like we had, like, Whoa. that would be the dream. But yeah, I was like, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. going to be... They're not going to be girls. Hmm. And Aww. so now it just fits. Like, now we just feel like... Were you fine with that, or did you want girls? No, I'm actually, like... if And if I could, I would have another boy. Hmm. That ship has sailed. But 
I will always wonder what a girl of ours would have looked like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, my friends' daughters, I feel very... I feel so much love and care mm. towards them because I don't have one. Yeah. So, like, when my niece is over, I'm like, can I braid your hair? And yeah. Like, Let's make bracelets. Although my kids make That's love so bracelets. But there's a couple things that I don't get to experience, like braided hair. Mm. My kid, one of my kids has long hair right now. It's in a mohawk, but it won't be braided. <laughs> I won't be allowed to braid it. Um, yeah. So, I just wonder what a child would have looked like. A mix Aww. of us, a girl. But... That's right. That's awesome. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, part of like the podcast that we started, we wanted to just like, it's called Chit Chat because Mm -hmm. we chit chat about anything and everything. And when we were kind of planning it, we were like, okay, we need to talk about just like people that we like and people that we're interested in and about just like things in general. So yeah, like music or coffee or culture or Mm. relationships and friendships and everything like that. And so we were like, oh, it'd be so perfect to have Steph come on and Mm -hmm. just like talk about therapy and talk about like friendships and relationships and everything. Um, But we were like, what kind of stuff specifically would we talk about? Mm. Which is why then yesterday or like two days ago, we posted on Instagram to ask for anonymous questions to come in. Not gonna lie. That's what it's called. The app. Yeah, it's kind of bad that you have to use like an app for getting oh, anonymous yeah. questions. Yeah, because we don't Instagram know who asks these questions. Yeah, we Whoa. don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So then wow. it was just like questions about relationships yeah. or I don't know, dating or anything like mm-hmm. that, and yeah. just like see what people would send in. And then we yeah. thought that we could kind of talk about these things like to kind of frame it, but mm-hmm. we can go away and we can talk about other stuff and kind of Very come cool. back to different questions as we go. Should we go in order? Sure. Okay, so the first question we got said and we'll try and keep them as exact mm-hmm. um, it said what advice do you have for a couple approaching six months of dating and also let me know if the whole attachment style thing is worth understanding Ooh, i love attachments <laughs> so I love attachment. <laughs> okay so the question is a couple six months of dating yeah and what are they wondering and let me know if attachment style is worth understanding like advice for okay. a couple approaching oh, yeah, six advice. months when i like that they say advice okay because this is not therapy so this mm-hmm. is like Uh, this is sort of just some of the things that I would consider important or the questions Mm -hmm. that I would ask. Mm -hmm. Um, So six months of dating. Okay, I love attachment theory. This is like the foundation (laughs) of all of my work with couples and individuals. Mm. Attachment theory basically being uh, when we are babies, we attach to our primary caregiver, most often the mother. And based on the mom's consistency to care for the infant's needs, respond to their cries, uh, soothe and regulate the child, the child develops an attachment style that kind of falls within a couple of categories. So we can have a secure attachment, which means being able to tolerate togetherness and apartness. We can have an attachment style that's very avoidant, where, and it's incredible, the, the research studies for this, um, the avoidant person might look like they don't care, very detached, keep people at an arm's length, their greatest fear being the loss of independence. But in reality, they're experiencing a lot of physiological distress. So Mm. outside, they're cool as a cucumber. I'm not bothered that we broke up. On to the next partner. Not a big deal. Inside, they're actually feeling incredible turmoil, and they don't know it. They just, Mm. like, they've shoved it so far down, they can't reach it. Uh, And then on the other far end of the spectrum would be an anxious attachment, where that person's greatest fear being the rejection or the loss of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so what we end up, if if someone has these attachment styles, and we all kind of, I think... fall maybe toward one or the other might have some secure traits but it can create problems in relationships and so I think knowing your attachment style is really important if you're six months into a relationship and let's say one partner has an anxious attachment and one partner has an avoidant Mm. we end up with this like 
one partner constantly trying to get close and the other person like, give me some space, back mm-hmm. away, kind of push this like emotional shove. Um, so even to know that, even to know and yeah. to ask these questions of like, you know, what happens for me in this relationship when we're apart? Mm-hmm. You know, is it? Because it can kind of dictate like what roles you fall into for the relationship Absolutely. as well, right? Like the pursuer distancing yes. kind of thing. Yeah. But can you be a mix? Like I've heard anxious avoidant yes. or so, yeah, can there you is be a secure mix. and yeah. anxious? Like secure? Is that yeah, you can. Yeah, I think in avoiding. some ways you can have, and you can also move closer to security. So security being like the ultimate goal. Right. But you can be secure, but then when, let's say, activated or when something happens, you maybe move toward anxious. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the on the whole, maybe very secure, very able to ask for your needs to be met, um, you know, honest and open with your partner, mm-hmm. tolerate distance, but then all of a sudden, out of character, your partner doesn't text you after work and they're mm-hmm. an hour late. And then the wheels start turning, mm-hmm. and then one text message, and then five calls, and then eight text messages, mm-hmm. and then now I'm calling nine one one, and I'm planning the funeral. Like, yeah. at what point is this spiraling? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Versus going, whew, yeah, this is scary. Out of character mm-hmm. for my partner to not mm-hmm. contact me, but I'm gonna distract myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna go for a walk. Yeah. I'm gonna assume you know they got caught up in a conversation at work, or they got a flat. They're yeah. on their way. So I do think we we display we're not just like one thing. Right. It's just more of. When this thing pops up, what am I doing with it? And I can imagine that for different people, based off of your experience, like different things might trigger that sort of reaction. Absolutely. So it's like for the most part, you have a secure, but this one thing happened because mm, of, yeah. and because of my past experience with that thing, yes. I now fall into more of like an yeah. anxious hmm. association. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. So for a couple that's six months in, I would say, um, it, and it's really, really hard. You cannot get away from this limerence, like this like initial rose-colored glasses phase like unless Mm -hmm. it's an arranged marriage every couple goes through this really euphoric hormonally induced Mm. yeah you don't see the bad things you really don't and people will look back years later and be like oh what a dummy how could i not have seen these red flags Mm -hmm. literally your brain was like releasing chemicals so you wouldn't see these red flags Mm. and so i think be really intentional to listen to your loved ones like Mm. if they say hey i don't i don't feel like you're you Mm -hmm. that's a big thing i would say is do you feel like you when you're with that person um, do other people when they're with you do they think mm. you're acting like you or do they feel like you're kind of putting it on well what's mm. that about and that doesn't necessarily mean the relationship ends um, but if there's something about and maybe you're so anxious about losing the relationship mm. you mold yourself to be this other person mm. I would just get really curious where is this coming from mm. and you know or if this is a pattern where I continually pick partners who feel unavailable to me hmm. mm. What's that about? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. huh? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the one clamoring. I'm the one chasing. I'm the one pursuing. I make the dates. I'm the one with, you know, words of affirmation. I remember the birthday mm. things, and this person's just kind of coasting along. Hmm. What's happening in my history and in my inner world that makes me be okay with that? Hmm. And do I want to sign up for that for life? Because I think some of this stuff can change. But you're really asking a lot from a partner, let's say, who has avoidant tendencies. You, you can't ask them to change. You can't assume they'll yeah. change. When you're like that, like that remembering of everything, mm-hmm. asking someone to match that. That's right. It's a lot. To, yeah. That's a lot to match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so therapy helps, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like being able to work these things through doesn't necessarily mean like just because you, maybe you've just discovered like, oh my goodness, yeah. this describes me and my partner. Yeah. It doesn't mean game over. Yeah. yeah. just means like, whew, I got yeah. some like inner work to do. Do you... It, no. And just like in the first six months as well, if you're kind of like having some of those blind spots, yeah. it's so helpful to have somebody to be able to like look into your life and like mm-hmm. reflect on it yourself because then you can become more aware of it and they might be able to speak into stuff that you're blind for. Mm. Absolutely. So like therapy is a perfect yeah. like resource for that, right? Do you ever see 
couples who are dating in your practice? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, like do a lot of dating couples come for therapy? Because well, I would imagine a lot of it's mar- like married couples. Um, no, there is a, there is, I think, a, I'm trying to sort of think of my work history. Uh, yeah, sometimes dating couples who are identifying these are some of the patterns we're seeing and before we move further we want to work it right that makes sense Um, now it's not premarital counseling i would say like yeah premarital counseling doesn't work because if you come in this limerent stage the stage where like all you see is this person's good things yeah and the therapist is trying to tell you like hey you know how do you guys handle conflict Mm. we don't have conflict yeah yeah, okay (laughs) yes you do you're just not aware of it yet or Mm -hmm, one of you is to keep the peace maybe the Mm -hmm. avoidant maybe the anxious right Mm -hmm. to keep the peace trying to, or maybe the secure person. They just don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. They just, they're able to see the partner's good sides, mm-hmm. believe the best. Um, it's much harder, let's say 15 years into a marriage where you've collected hurts mm-hmm. that you have not repaired. You just start to think this person's a jerk. Mm-hmm. Like you're really yeah. just assume the worst. Like, yeah. like Adrian's saying, like you go back on all this evidence of the times where this person wasn't there for you yeah. or where the, you know, the snarky comment was you know, an emotional shove and you start to really believe the worst. And so you, that's a lot to undo. Mm -hmm. But dating couples, I think often will recognize, you know, before we move, move forward with this, we got some stuff to work out. Mm -hmm. I so respect that. Like coming to therapy before there's like a catastrophe. Yeah. It's pretty hard Mm -hmm. when you, yeah. And on average research shows us that couples wait six years when, before, seeking help when a problem mm. presents itself six mm. years after they're aware of the problem yeah. Yeah. Whoa. wow so like oh we can just figure it out we've got the skills well it's not a big deal you know or we'll fix it on our it's own just a season. We've got... mm. and then six mm. years later they seek help and at that point wow. huh it's tough premarital counseling is an interesting thing because i feel like you can't counsel in like four weeks mm-hmm. for what is to hopefully be a lifetime mm. right I don't know. And I think it's just like it's a funny. Yeah. Well, and I, I understand that like the evangelical church, their attempt to like we want people to start off on the right foot. Yeah. But mm-hmm. sort of handing people a prototype and saying here are your roles, you yeah. know, or this is what a proper relationship looks like. I think a lot of times people because they want it to work out and they're told this is what makes a good relationship, they don't actually like go along with it. Or I mean they do, but it's in so their heart to they're fall like fall into the expectations that's that right. are given to them. Yeah. yeah. Versus like maybe that doesn't work for us. Like mm-hmm. maybe we're not a traditional roles couple and that's mm-hmm. how we thrive. Mm-hmm. And does like, you know, a pastoral counselor who's had, I don't know, two courses in yeah. seminary, do they have yeah, the yeah. skills? Take four sessions. That's only. right. That's yeah. right. To yeah. like really so, dig in and see what's Although happening. on the flip side I do kind of wonder if maybe it could be beneficial for couples who don't have people in their lives to talk to right. about like some yeah. real stuff about marriage yeah. and so to That's have true. someone to at guide them through that like at least yeah. it's someone safe that right. they can talk to because mm-hmm. I feel like I can't I, f- I think we had good like I loved the person who did our premarital counseling I but it, yeah. um four sessions I don't remember I don't really remember much hmm. but um I feel like I had also a lot of people in my life that I could mm-hmm. talk to yeah mm-hmm. which was nice for me yeah but yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, great question. So the second one is um, birds of a feather versus opposites attract. Ooh. Which is better, pros and cons? Okay, do you think that this question was asked in the realm of friendship or partnership? I don't know. That's also I, a good I question. I think it was asked in the realm of partnership. partnership. Okay. But friendship as well, I feel like it's a great yeah. way to take it. Okay, so I would say that the otherness 
in someone is what attracts us to them. Hmm. And so the fact that they are different than us, that they don't have the same qualities than us, that they maybe look different or are from just like a different life experience because that brings the richness. Mm-hmm. Even if we look at sort of like, you know, some of the research around like genetic diversity. Mm-hmm. Genetic diversity would tell us that we are going to pick someone who's different than us. Um, and so then that creates, you know, just a different gene pool. Um, unfortunately, it is often the differences that bring people to my office, right? What started right, yeah. as this like, oh, you are so fascinating. You're so interesting. Yeah. I love how you see the world. Yeah. Becomes like they're the enemy. You're so different from mm-hmm. me. We don't agree on anything. Mm-hmm. But is agreeance the goal? <laughs> like, is that, right. is that what we're after? Um, and, and then at the same time, I think we really need to, whether friends or partnerships, we have to have similar values on the basics, right? Like, if you're trying to make a monogamous relationship work with someone who's poly, like, you yeah. are setting yourself up for so much heartache mm-hmm. um, if you want to have a family and your partner doesn't. Like, mm. that is just, like, to me, hoping for that partner to change toward you mm-hmm. in a way that just leads to resentment. Mm-hmm. Um now, can, can friendships tolerate extreme differences? I think so, but it takes yeah. a lot of emotional maturity. Right. <laughs> yeah. But do we have it? Are we able to say, like, wow, we, we vote different and we live different and we shop different and we, but can we still love each other and respect each other? And Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I feel like I've had conversations with people about, like, in relationships, should you have similar, or is it better to have similar hobbies or, like, similar interests as <laughs> the other person or not? And kind of what has been coming up for me is that it's not as important to like have similar hobbies but it's more like the way that you approach them Mm -hmm. or it's like if you're encouraging of the other person and their hobbies and the way that you have them Mm -hmm. is like more important than the actual hobbies themselves because hobbies change as well yes like interests change over time right like Mm -hmm. five years into a relationship or 10 years someone's hobbies might be like completely opposite about what they are right now so it's kind of like the way that you approach them is way Mm -hmm. more important than the actual hobbies so it's like you might be birds of a feather now, and then mm-hmm. 10 years down the road, yeah. they'll be completely a different person. And mm. then it's like, oh, who is this person that I'm with yeah. now? And you kind yeah. of have that like new realization as like relationships like come and go, right? Yes. Mm. So it's more yeah. about those deeper values and ways that you handle things. Absolutely. But in like a new relationship, like dating type relationships, like you're trying to discover all these things and figure out how someone's deep values work and all mm-hmm. these really deep questions. And it's kind of like, I'm not going to know that about this person no. as I'm getting into a relationship with them. Yep. So then how do you discern like how to even navigate that space? Mm-hmm. Like And who they really are. Yeah. Or are they just putting it on? Like, you know, you, everyone puts their best foot forward initially. Yeah. So how do you discover these values? Like even you won't be able to really, no. but then that's right. Yeah, it's like, do it. don't, I would say, I mean, do what you want, but like maybe don't marry someone before you've been through a hard season or you've seen them sick. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. you've seen them, their meal comes at a restaurant and it's not what they ordered. Like until you see like their <laughs> yeah, true yeah, colors yeah. come out or like yeah. how they handle being ripped off. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, until you see those like the mm-hmm. parts of their character that yes, we can heal. Yes, mm-hmm. we can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, be aware of those things. Be aware of maybe some of those deeper values, but also trust they're going to change. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so I have um, some Gottman relationship training and they're kind of like the the gold standard for researched, at least one of the the researched mm-hmm. marriage therapy therapies or relationship therapies, and they're like one of their foundational concepts is building love maps, which is a fancy way of saying like knowing your partner's inner world. It changes, mm. and it's as small as like how is my partner taking their coffee right now, and mm. who what friend is bringing like the most joy into their life right now, the friendship, and who are they struggling with the most at work. Right. These things will change, and it's okay. I think 
you know, if, if we even go into a relationship thinking who this person is now at 21, yeah. they have to stay this way. Yeah. Whew. Hmm. Unlikely. <laughs> so like, you're saying as a partner, know those like changing things yeah. about the person, like know. Oh, endeavor to see. Yeah. yeah. Get to know them again and again and again. Like hmm. ask these questions and um, believe that your partner is changing and growing. Be, be encouraging of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if. I don't know if your thing is like you play tennis together and then your partner breaks their elbow and can never play tennis again like is yeah. your relationship done no yeah pick up something else yeah. right like or i mean you can keep playing tennis for sure but yeah find these things to do together that and weird things like i know of couples who like play pickleball like my yeah. i have an aunt and uncle who they are uh, snowbirds and they are like avid pickleballers they're mm. avid road bikers they're yoga enthusiasts like yeah they just pick up these things together and they're like in their late 60s. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Keep yeah. learning, keep growing. It's like, well, I think we talked about this, how there's that reel of Gabor Mate talking about with parents, how he he said like, or someone asked the question, why is like one sibling so different from the next, mm-hmm. even if they're raised in the same home? And he's like, because it's not the same home and they're not the same parents. Right, like yeah. Like every totally. year they change and they're different people and that yeah, sort of thing. So it's experience. like, technically, I didn't marry the same Nate. Mm-hmm. I definitely That's didn't. That's right. But, yeah. Like, whatever, five years ago. Yeah. But That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next question, which I'm really interested to talk about and hear your perspective on, because you are talking about Gottman before mm-hmm. and the course that you're taking, the trauma and infidelity. infidelity. Mm-hmm. So this question is, can a relationship survive cheating? Mm. Okay, so <laughs> I'm I am hours into a 17-hour Gottman module on this. It's so fascinating. Okay. So from and I'll just kind of like share what I'm hearing them saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so cheating can come in all forms. It's it's essentially betrayal, and it can be the betrayal. You know, again, many forms. It could be an emotional mm-hmm. closeness with someone else. Um, I would say like my definition of cheating would be when something that is supposed to be sacred in your primary relationship, someone goes outside of that, right? Like we don't hold hands with everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, some cultures do, um, but that's what makes holding hands with our one partner Mm -hmm. special is it's just something that we do. Mm -hmm. So like even emotional intimacy, closeness is like, if I'm going outside of the relationship to get that need met, what does that do to our partner? Um, So I would say there are some things that would likely determine whether or not a couple can survive cheating. Mm -hmm. I would say, is it, is it perpetual? Is this something that for the betraying partner they've done in other relationships? I'd get really curious about that. Hmm. Um, you know, if this is just a pattern of behavior, what what is it that they're doing? Is this for some people? I think cheating is a way to exit the relationship without taking responsibility for like actually ending yeah. it. Right? Is like yeah. if I just cheat on someone, I'm going to force my partner to end it because I just don't have the gall to do it. Hmm. Um, but I would say if if you cannot rebuild trust. And if every time, you know, there's this, there's this promise, it's going to stop, it's going to end, I'm going to put boundaries up. If it happens again, it, what it does is it reinforces the belief that this partner's not trustworthy. And it's really hard to rebuild, you know, it's to, to hang drywall when your walls are falling down, right? right? And then like, it mm-hmm. falls down again. And then you're like, oh my goodness, like I can't, the drywall's splitting. Like, how do you, how do you keep rebuilding mm. with these new offenses? Mm. Um, but absolutely, I think for some, I mean, marriage 1.0, this is what God would say, is done, it's dead. You cannot go back to what you had. Hmm. But you can also rebuild potentially something way better than what you had. Hmm. Obviously what led to the affair hmm. shows that something wasn't working huh. in marriage 1.0. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yeah, it can absolutely survive. 
uh, it can be rebuilt stronger. Mm-hmm. But it really takes some hard work that mm. I that I don't know that people are always willing to do. Mm. Uh, there's just so much hurt. Like, how mm. do you, you know, for the offending person, they just probably want it over. Like, mm-hmm. let's just move past it. Stop bringing it up. Mm-hmm. And for the betrayed partner, I mean, it's you'll have PTSD. Like, it's that's like clinically, mm. um, when you find out your partner is having an affair of or there's betrayal of any kind, there's PTSD, which mm. takes a while. <laughs> It takes working together. Hmm. So it's tough. Whoa. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do to bring back the spark? Um, and so that's why, and I think in a sense, like sometimes we just think like, boom, affair happens mm-hmm. out of nowhere. It doesn't at all. Mm-hmm. There's so many yeah. steps, unless again, it's like a habitual pattern of behavior. Right. And a lot of those things that you mentioned are often unconscious as well, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not realizing that like, you know, oh, my partner didn't text me at work, so I guess I won't yeah. text him. I guess yeah. it's, we just don't do that anymore. We just don't check in with each other anymore. Or mm. I won't say goodnight. I'll just go to my room. But inside... You know, if I actually reflected, I'd be like, what the heck's going on? We always yeah. said goodnight. We'd always kiss goodnight. We'd always, yeah. you know, yeah. snuggle goodnight. And then why is that not happening now? What's mm. been going on? Mm. Um, it is very much mm. unconscious. It's easy to distract ourselves, not look at what's happening. Hmm. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else about no, that? No, go ahead. The next question, okay. It's a few, we've rephrased it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it says... How do you have a meaningful relationship with a parent who lacks the ability to not only be a parent, but also have adult conversations? And then they add that their parent seems to not to be self-aware. Hmm. That's so sense. hard. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so there's some expectations here. I hear grief, mm-hmm. right? Like that's probably, I feel like the number one thing with adults trying to navigate parental relationships Mm. is there's just grief this isn't what I wanted this isn't what I expected mm-hmm. I thought my parent would be there for me more or be more involved with my kids or and they're just not um, and so I think it's something I mean I would encourage grief grieving mm-hmm. right to be able to, to, to name it to yourself um, sometimes I think we can gently and healthily confront we can go and say like, hey, you know, or, or I mean, ask in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I miss you. I'd like us to spend more time together. I'd like mm-hmm. to see you more often. I'd mm-hmm. like you to not drink before you come over, you know, all these mm-hmm. positive things. Um, but also just recognizing that sometimes our parents can't give us what we want them to give us. Mm-hmm. And I think there's other relationships to get those needs met. Mentors, coaches, friends, aunts and uncles. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? It can be really difficult to like know how to navigate it too. Cause I think like at what level do you kind of like grieve and like learn how to live Mm -hmm. with this sort of thing that's going on or on what level do you confront and try to like change change things as well? Because as, especially like for adults and like adults in relationship, it's a lot harder to change. Like, especially like patterns of seeing things and Mm -hmm. how you relate to other people. And like what I hear in this too is kind of like, 
if the parents are not self-aware or don't have mm-hmm. the understanding of their own value systems or what they even like what they bring to relationships yeah. it's really difficult for the for one person who desires the relationship mm-hmm. to be different mm-hmm. but there may not be an ability for that to actually happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so it, what, the what, system might yeah. reject the attempt at change. Yeah. Right? Is this is, if this is how we've always behaved and now mm-hmm. someone comes in being like yeah. let's start having deep meaningful conversations. Yeah. I don't think so. Like our yeah. systems we're not we don't do that here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't go there. Mm-hmm. Don't bring up, you know, this it's like basic family system sort of homeostasis yeah. mm-hmm. maintaining. Oh, totally. That's true. Yeah. But also yeah. I think like the because you know how now in all the school curriculums there's mental health mm-hmm. for kids and like now all these kids are learning coping skills and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And that wasn't, when I was in school as a kid, yes. wasn't available. Yeah. Right. But I'm, and obviously like when my parents were in school, mm-hmm. or in, yeah, that wasn't available to them as well. But I'm curious to know how this new education for kids will like, will it benefit them as adults? Like, I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. For I'm the next generation, about that. will it help them have healthier yeah. relationships? Yeah. Like, will it help them be better parents? Like, is yeah. it the right mm-hmm. curriculum and that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, because I feel like I'm reading even so many parenting books on, like, gentle parenting yeah. and that sort of thing. But I want to see results. Like, I mm-hmm. want to see the kids grown up and see, like, right. did it work? Yeah. You know? Because it's so much more, like, parenting is so much more geared towards now, like, the kids' rights and, like, all yep. that, right? Like, that seems How to be... How do they feel? Yeah, that seems to be so much more of the center, but I feel Mm. like I haven't seen results of it yet, so I'm curious. And it totally depends, like, on what sort of, like, cultural environment that you're in, but there's a lot of different levels of, like, emotional health Mm -hmm. and, like, emotionality that people bring into relationships or not. Mm -hmm. And so if there is this sort of curriculum that's happening so younger people are learning more about, like, emotional health and regulation and their attachment styles and stuff, they may grow older to then take that more sort of, Mm -hmm. um, like... Mm-hmm. into their adult relationships yeah. which would then af- effectively have like a cultural change mm-hmm. within the environments that they're sort of from and um, i would imagine it would take a couple of generations for us yeah. to really see that yeah because um, i even think of how like my kids will come home and hear something about the food pyramid and tell me like that their teacher told them they can't bring muffins to school anymore and i'm like <laughs> look here like these homemade low sugar like full of vegetables and fruit muffins yeah. you're getting it like yeah. i don't send granola bars they can just back off so i wonder how much pushback there will yeah. be from parents when right. kids are coming home saying like you can't talk to me that way that's yeah, my right yeah. as a child and the parent being like what are you talking about like yeah. so i think it will be a couple of generations totally. before we actually see maybe some good fruit maybe not i don't yeah. know but like what's what's going to transpire and because as well like it kind of comes with like value changes as well right right. because it's like if in our culture like there's a different view about what is valuable for an individual and like even what mean what it means to be healthy yeah that's going to then change the way that people relate to each other absolutely which then like if children if the generation that they're growing up and there's a different value system that our culture is kind of working on than the parents that that's going to have a big shift as well oh yeah I was raised, like, I feel like the highest parenting value yeah. being raised, and I was raised in, like, growing kids God's way, like, some pretty yeah. conservative, was mm. obedience, compliance. Yeah. Mm. Totally. That was mm. the most important thing in my family was, yeah. like, I mean, not most important thing, like, love sure, and whatever, sure, but, sure. like, yeah. in terms of, like, f- how the child behaves, it was first time obedience, not just yeah. obedience. It yeah. was, you do what I say because I said it. Yeah. Now, it's like, well, do you feel like yeah, going yeah, to bed? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whew, maybe we've swung the pendulum. Maybe yeah, it's going to yeah. even itself out. I don't yeah. know. Um... But that is a huge value yeah. challenge. Hmm. But my my thinking too with parenting is sometimes I think it's like, well, I, I don't have kids. You have kids. But you're kind of all of a sudden thrown into something mm-hmm. that you don't know how to do. And no. the only knowledge right. of it that you have is 
like what your parents did, yes. whether it was good or bad or yeah. whatever. But sometimes I feel so bad for parents because it's like they, it's not like, well, I, there's narcissists and that sort of thing. So I guess there are people, but it's not like they're like right. intentionally like, how can I make my kid's life right. the worst possible life <laughs> no, they ever have? Like that's like something seriously wrong. Yes. Yeah. So then it's like when the child grows older and they're like, my parents were the worst ever. Oh. It's like, whoa, but not to excuse any hurt yeah. because yeah. we have to all own Yes. Like mm-hmm. the hurts that we do cause, we have to own mm-hmm. it. But I don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. yeah, it no, is kind of interesting. But then my next question would be like, do you think it's wise for people to seek out other people who act as mothers and fathers mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. mentors? Is that something wise? Because you mm-hmm. can't really replace your your mm-hmm. mother. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, is it valuable we definitely need community. Mm-hmm. I think we really value from seeing people a few years ahead of us. Not even necessarily parental, because parental's what? 20 to 30, maybe 40 years ahead of you, mm-hmm. depending on when your kids had children, or your parents had children. Um, but like even someone 10 years ahead mm-hmm. of you, like what's it look like? Your kids are five, they got 10 year olds. Whew, you know, yeah. what did they do when their kids were five? Um, I would be, I'd be really curious about the intention mm-hmm. behind it, of like where is this coming from? Because I think sometimes we can like, and this isn't my turn, term, I think Emily P. Freeman um, talks about like collecting gurus. Mm. Like we can constantly think that like someone else has it figured out and I just have to find that person yeah. and once they mentor me and they huh. speak into my life and they, well, wait a minute, like we have really good thinking brains. Right? Yeah. We have very rational, logical thinking brains and we can do some of that processing. We can meet some of those needs for ourselves. If the need is for someone to tell me that I'm a good parent, whew, yeah. I might not get that yeah. from a mentor or from someone else. But can I say that of myself? Hmm. Can I go to bed at the end of the day and you know look over my day and say, you did the best that you could with yeah. what you had? Which yeah. I think that speaks to what you're just saying. You know, like, yeah. mm-hmm. it, and sometimes in our hurt, we can believe that people had malicious intent. Yeah. But I really do believe in like the goodness of people. And mm-hmm. I think most people are doing the best they can mm-hmm. with what they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh, Brene Brown, her husband, says something to the, to the same effect. Um, he says that, I choose to believe people are doing the best they can and um, if they're not, at least believing so makes my life better, mm. right? Yeah. So like if I just believe that it's good intentions, if I believe yeah. all the mistakes, you know, my parents made, that how easy is it to say now, right? Mm-hmm. To like look back and just like smugly be like, oh, look at all the mistakes you mm-hmm. made. Yeah. Um, we're saving for our kids therapy fund. Yeah. Yeah. We know, yeah. but we're yeah. doing literally, like we're building the airplane in the air. We've mm-hmm. never had this age of children before in yeah. this dynamic with yeah. this, kind of cultural things going on and yeah. so we're trying um and and would it necessarily probably would make it easier to have more of a village mm-hmm. yeah it would mm-hmm. probably be easier but I also think maybe we're setting ourselves up for a huge disappointment mm-hmm. like I, I don't know I don't see I can't find those people yeah. I don't know I do like that line, you do the best that you can with what you have. And mm-hmm. I feel like that really helps to be able to like empathize or at least yes. sympathize with other people. And as like children get older, like, or even like from a young age, like how do you learn how to empathize or sympathize with your parents mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that sort of openness can help with yeah. that. You know? mm-hmm. Becoming not, a parent yourself helps. Because yeah, then you realize how yeah. freaking hard it is. But You're then like, not oh. to discredit yeah. this person's, this person's, no. you know, pain and, and like... Because it is so painful. Yeah. It's so disappointing. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm just looking at, like, the questions that were coming in. One that this kind of leads to as well is, what's the best way to keep your relationship strong when you start having kids? With who? With your partner. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so here's another Gottman fact. They, they said that, uh, I think the, the statistic is 70% of couples um, have an extreme drop in relationship satisfaction after having children. Wow. Whoa, yeah. 70%? Yeah, it's too bad. And so what is that? So that is, that is expectations. That is a shift of energy and focus away from the relationship to the children. Now, I think we have a, an incredible imbalance in our culture between... Uh, child-rearing responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think that if both parents equally mm-hmm. came to the table, it wouldn't fall on one partner and exhaust them and burn them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would create a little bit more space, but it's a tough transition. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, like, manage your expectations. Be right. really careful that uh, you're not putting on your partner this belief that things are just going to go the same way they always were, but there's just going to be little people running around. Like, that's not that's not possible. Yeah. You're literally keeping a human being alive. Yeah. There's going to be a big shift. Um, but do the work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you're finding yourself, like, really mm-hmm. resentful in the relationship, talk about it. And not mm-hmm. blaming. Right? It's nobody's fault. It's not even the child's fault. It's, like, how is it their fault? They yeah. You know, there's this, like, yeah. innocent, yeah. helpless little thing. Oh, yeah. Um, not thing. Human being. <laughs> wonderful human being. Um, but talk about it. Don't mm-hmm. let these unspoken things... Like, your partner can't read your mind. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just, like, walking around disappointed that, you know, your partner hasn't, like, taken you on a date in a while, like, come on. Yeah. Speak up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say it. Mm-hmm. Say... And don't say, like, hey, you're a jerk. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Take me out. Do it on the positive side. Like, I'd right. love if you could. That's right. I miss you. Mm-hmm. Man, this is hard. But we're yeah. in this together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, look at us both neglecting our needs. When was the last time you showered, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, we're in this together versus, oh, look at you neglecting me. Look mm-hmm. at you over there fixated on the kids. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's really good. Wow, 70%. That's pretty crazy. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is really tough. And often, like, how many couples are having children to try to save the relationship? Yeah. Well, right? They think it's going to bring them together. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly you're together for life now. Like it, yeah. it brings you together, yeah. but not, I don't think in, in the way that people are looking for. So mm. when so I can imagine like a child taking on that role of like yeah. being the, like triangulating them yeah. into the relationship. Mm. That's right. Of, like, yeah. And, yeah. and mom and, and need. that's right. Children are developmentally appropriately egocentric. They think that the mm. world exists because of them. And so when mom and dad are fighting, mm-hmm. the child thinks it's because of me. Now maybe, right. I mean, yeah. maybe in some ways it is, but these are adults. Yeah. They can, they can get some coping skills, right? right. It's um, They don't need to put that on the child. And the child doesn't... It's not the child's job to manage the emotions mm. of the adults in the home, right? Mm-hmm. To have no needs, to cry less because, you know, dad gets mad when I cry. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, that's dad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, dad needs to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Children cry. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. They are whiny. They're... Mm-hmm. I don't think that... Little wills of their own, <laughs> right? Like, they're... Yeah. So... Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so that's tough. True. Yeah. Mm. No, that's good. Um... What is your opinion on blind dates oh <laughs> slash on dating today? Oh, I don't know if blind dates are like, yeah, does it even I'm trying to think about what my friends, like how they date the most. And I would probably say it's through apps. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. like, I feel like a lot of my friends have met online now, yeah. but I do have friends I think who've like, maybe more it's like setups or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess an like, app is that technically a blind date? No, not really. It could be. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. I guess it depends what you mean by blind date. Yeah. But yeah. you haven't met that person before, and then you're going on a date with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So it's been like a hundred years since I dated. <laughs> and honestly, like if if my partner died, I think I'd just like chill. I think I'd be like out of the pool. I'm not really interested. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really I I I did well, and I think that that's in some ways it's sort of like a luck of a draw. 
Yeah, like yeah. I dated this person and he actually turned out to be this really mm. quality human being and he didn't just like pull the wool over my eyes. Um, oh. So I don't know if I would try again. Um, but I, I feel sad for young singles these days because I think that a lot of the culture, you know, what do I think of dating now? I think we put our best foot forward on social media. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we do right. that in a dating app? Now I get it because yeah. we're so superficial sometimes that we're going to swipe, whatever, the wrong yeah. way. Swipe yeah. on the not, you know. Um, just because of how someone looks. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know, you know, when I was 20, when I was 23, 24, I was married by 24, but when I was a, a young person, did I even know myself? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So did I know what I needed? And that's why I think like luck of the draw is like I ended up with this person who compliments me well. We're super different. Mm-hmm. Um, but would I have ended up with, if I went with like, okay, when I was younger, we used to at like 13 at like youth retreats and stuff. We would make lists. We'd pray over the yeah, list yeah, of like yeah. all the qualities. You, okay, here's my list. Yeah, ready? Yeah. Lip ring. Knows how to break no. Can skateboard. No. <laughs> like, maybe he's got dreads. Lip like, ring? Yeah. Just like the Baggy dumbest. Pants. Yeah. That's right. Like, yeah. oh, he looks so cool. Yeah. Okay. But can he keep a job? Like, come on. <laughs> Let's be real. So I think that that's sometimes ridiculous because what actually matters in someone? Like reliability. Yeah. Honesty, right. like consideration for other people's feelings, mm-hmm. um, the ability to communicate or work through things. Like those yeah. things matter. Do people even know that in themselves? Mm-hmm. Or are they so fixated on finding the right one versus being the right one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I don't know that you can convey it. And I have some like incredible single friends who cannot find partners, dating or otherwise. They just, like there's like, I don't know where all the people are hiding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going on with that then? Like why is that? Well, I think in part, like if you've got someone who's just like, I don't know, doing their own thing, not like, you know, injected with Botox and plastic surgery and like, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. they're just like a normal human, awesome human. Yeah. And all you see is this picture and you swipe away because you're like, no, nope, next. Yeah, yeah. Something better come mm-hmm. along. Yeah. Which just be careful to people who are in that pattern. That's a very avoidant behavior to always believe that there's someone better coming along. Mm. That's often why people... Uh, those who, you know, chronic daters and people who don't, mm-hmm. you know, lock down a relationship... It's often an avoidance hmm. uh, mentality. It's like, well, there's someone, I'm gonna keep my options open. Hmm. Someone else better might come along. Hmm. Um, blind dates, I like if people have set you up. Like if people know you well, yeah, right? Like this is a, I think you'd really, that's how I met my husband is mm-hmm. I was really good friends with his brother and one day in class he was like, hey, I think you should marry my brother. Well. <laughs> and then we met each other and, and, then, and even now he's like, I don't know if I meant it. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, he just yeah. said it. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a, that is a good way to get to know mm. or to have a blind date is like, you know, I see enough of similarities in, in you and you. Mm. Yeah. Um, and in part, you have to be in relationship and community to do that. Yeah. People have to know you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a show yeah. up vulnerably for people to say, mm. to know. I know your character. How mm. much of like, I would like to learn more about like intuition, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. I feel like we talked mm. about that. But how much of... People, do you think they they um, rely on their intuition when deciding I'm going to marry this person? Do you know what I mean? Because I feel mm. as though at some point you're not going to know what's ahead when you choose to marry someone. Like you mm-hmm. just you can't really weigh out all the pros and cons. And like, yes. so how much of it is intuition in the decision? Because like as well, like just jumping off of that, the difference between logically thinking something through or like acting off of your gut, mm-hmm. like, like an emotionality. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sort of instinct that like yeah. I was just mentioning, and I mm-hmm. feel like when I'm talking to people or if I'm thinking about it, it's kind of like, do you logically think whether this person is the right one for you, right. or are you kind of just looking for like a gut instinct? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be hard for you to like recognize what your gut actually is. And what's why is your gut saying that? 
Yeah. Right? If I have a history of relationships where people let me down or when I need them the most, they're not there for me, should I be surprised when I keep picking emotionally unavailable people? Mm. Because they fit the mold, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's somebody else that's going to let me down. Mm-hmm. You know, this sort of aloof, kind of detached, like, and, and maybe that's something to sort of check with your gut of like, what is, what is my gut seeking? Familiarity? Right. <laughs> or is it seeking like safety? Do I feel safe with this person? Do I feel seen? Do I feel like myself? Hmm. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you really know? Right. I mean, part of it is like, you're just hoping that who they're showing themselves to be is mm-hmm. true. And if that's mm-hmm. your intuition that like, I really think this person's being honest and open. But I, I think in, in some ways, like if it comes to like marriage, you're just taking a chance in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, right? There's, you don't know who this person's going to grow into and mm-hmm. you don't know that, you know, we, we cannot see it all. So am I willing to stick it out now? And I'm, I'm like, I don't believe in always sticking it out mm-hmm. um, at all. And I, I'm not going to say like I'm a big supporter of divorce, but I think there are lots of instances where divorce is the safest mm-hmm. option. Um, but if I'm committed to it, um, like I have friends who met on social media within a month they were together within six months they were engaged a year later they were married mm-hmm. if they're willing to do it if they're willing to stick it out no matter what comes up then go for it yeah it's I think it's going to be tough because you're going to leave that euphoric stage when you're married and that's kind mm-hmm. of tough to like shoot you know yeah and that time is coming like yeah. I don't want to like <laughs> crash yeah. everyone's hopes and dreams but eventually mm-hmm. you will wake up one day and look at your partner and go what did I do mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what do we do from that where do we go how do we stay connected how do we ask for our needs to be met how do we keep pursuing and nurturing the relationship mm-hmm. and I think part of it is this willingness I remember on my wedding day being like I could say no mm-hmm. but I want to say yes and I'm willing to work through whatever comes mm-hmm. um, I'm willing to do the hard work if things come up and things come up yeah. yeah so I don't know if that's I don't know if that's intuition though I feel like that's more like resolve right like you you're saying like resolve like to you stick it out about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But even then. Like you personally have right. resolve and you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm willing. Huh. And or yeah, with this sense. person, right? Of like, mm. does this person feel safe enough? Does And, I, and I, again, I really do think in a lot of ways we take a chance with somebody because we don't see all of it. Mm-mm. No. We don't see the future either. We're not fortune tellers. We don't know what's coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of this too might be like, Understanding expectations for what marriage is. Yes. Right? Oh, Adrian, yes. <laughs> That's so true. Yes. Yes. Is this person supposed to meet all my needs? Yeah. Yeah. Is that their job? Mm-hmm. Is it their job to always make me feel happy? And mm-hmm. is it going to be perfect? And when it does go bad, are they yes. going to act this way? That's you right. Hmm. And, and so, again, Gottman quote um, Gottman says that the difference between um, the masters and the disasters in relationships is that the masters know how to repair effectively. Wow. There's the same amount of hurts. There's mm. the same amount of forgotten birthdays and snarky mm-hmm. comments and wet towels left on wood furniture. Like mm-hmm. it happens. How do we repair it? How do mm. we come to that relationship and say like, hey, that hurt me, mm-hmm. but that's gotta change. I'm not okay with that. What can we do here? Mm-hmm. Versus do we shut down? Do we pull away? Do we wound back? Mm. No. Mm-hmm. What's What do we do with that? So, what was the quote? Masters. Masters versus disasters, the masters know how to repair effectively. And this is learned. And the Mm. disasters don't repair. Mm. They sweep it under the rug. They blame. They uh, criticize. Mm -hmm. They pull away. It's Mm -hmm. not good. Not good. good. Mm. But you can learn all that. Like, that's that's the thing is, like, you don't, you know, I mean, therapy, you don't go in to stop all the bad things from happening. Mm -hmm. You go Mm -hmm. in to learn how to deal with it when it comes Mm -hmm. up so that your relationship can survive, thrive. 
Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's what we have. Yeah, that's, that's but crazy. we always questions. I want to add a question to our sure go. closing out questions. Yeah, go. Like we should ask everybody. Okay. What's the recent book that you read? So we mm. we end up with two questions, but I'm going to add one right now. What's a recent book that you've read that you've really enjoyed? You like that question? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. It doesn't have to be that it's recent. Be a you could just book say. Or something like yeah. That. <laughs> so I love learning from Gottman. I find. Like Sue Johnson, so she's like the pioneer of emotionally focused couples therapy mm. and Gottman. I find them a little bit harder to read than listen. Mm. I'm less of a I'm less of a visual learner than I am an auditory learner. Well, I'm mm. a more kinesthetic, but I can do stuff while I'm yeah. listening. Um, so my 2022 book I would say is Dopamine Nation. Mm. Oh yeah, I loved it. Now it's like sidebar. Mm. There's some like really creepy examples that she uses that like yeah. are really uncomfortable. Um, but I feel like I tell like all of my clients to read. I think it's page mm. 55 to like 105. Mm-hmm. So this, I think it's maybe okay. like the second chapter. It's so good. Mm. And I think it speaks so much to the repetitive sort of addictive nature that we all have. Like our brains mm. are wired to just mm. like keep pressing the dopamine pedal mm. and keep mm-hmm. getting this feel good chemical. But does it serve us? Mm. Um, so I really loved that book. Anna Lem- Lemke? I think so. Or something. Yeah. yeah, she's a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that one because that's like kind of what comes wow. to mind. I read... I read quite a bit, um, but like some really varied, I read a lot of like varied mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Readers are leaders, there like you, you were telling us. <laughs> <laughs> Our second like ending question is, how do you take your coffee? <gasps> With French vanilla flavored creamer. Nice. <laughs> I am not an adult. I, yeah, I'm not. I drink my coffee is black. Is there sugar in it too? There's totally sugar. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. but <laughs> I'll go lot. through, I'll go through phases. <laughs> Like, I'm a creature of habit, for sure. I'll eat mm-hmm. the same breakfast every day for, like, six months. And Whoa. so right now, that's how I'm taking my coffee, probably for the last year. I had, like, a good five-year run. I was putting hot chocolate powder in my coffee, but then Whoa. my teeth started that's to good. hurt. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was, like, literally getting, like, teeth pain. Like, that's a little too much sugar, I guess. But it, does it taste worse, like, with worse coffee kind of thing? Like, do you have a specific bean that you like? Yes. Or? My partner only buys Starbucks beans, and we buy whole right, beans, right. and we yeah. grind them at home. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's pretty like a big stickler on that I don't really care I mean I probably nothing against like Folgers I'd probably go like a step up from that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. so like when it's French vanilla creamer I mean I'm not putting like a quarter of a cup in it but it covers a lot of it's so funny because I think everyone that we've had so far has given like different answers yeah about, about their, their coffee, coffee right? yeah I would say that real Which coffee drinkers so drink it black like that in my brain, I'm like, if you seriously take coffee, like you mean it, you drink it black. And I guess I'm not one yeah. of those people. I drink it every day. What yeah. did what did Calvin say? I can't remember. Because Nate is like double double. Kanan yeah. said hot chocolate. Oh, or he, first he said he would take cream in his coffee. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Steph said French vanilla creamer. Jesse said. Jesse said black, right? Yeah, Jesse said black. Yeah. Cal- Everyone likes something fun. a little different. A yeah, it's funny. And the last question that we have is, what's your current favorite song? Or something you've been listening to recently. Even the past week. Favorite song. On your way over here, did you like Blossom in the No, I actually usually drive with the radio off. Okay. So I only listen to music when I have headphones in. I have some like, like it's too much sensory. I feel like there's just too much going on. I Mm -hmm. too regularly have people like interrupt me. And so I don't like when music's playing. Headphones. Okay. So what am I thinking? Um, okay, I'll have to like pull it up on my phone because I have, so here's something to know about me. I have 
How many how many tabs do I have? You use YouTube. I have forty seven tabs <laughs> open on my phone. I listen on YouTube and what am I loving right now? Oh, there's a song. Oh yeah. Wait 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 oh, wait wait wait. wait, wait. Okay, First, I, I want Adrian oh, no, to guess what genre stuff might oh. listen to. Because <laughs> this it did I could no like guess a genre because. I, this surprised me. So people don't realize I don't think how vanilla I look. I look pretty like unassuming. <laughs> and then when Hannah found out that this was my genre, she was like, I was on, what? My mind is boggled. Something like, I would just guess off the cuff something like pop or like funk or something like that. But now that you're asking me, I want to say something like hip hop. Okay. So I think it no. would be like technically what? considered like house music, like tropical house, like Electric dance, like like, <laughs> like well, yeah. it's a good, 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 like Matoma, like so no, 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 not techno. That's okay. too like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, none yeah. of that. That's too much. Um, but like, yeah, like um, like do you like stuff that layers up? Like yes, that kind and of I thing? like remixes that like blend two or three songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I do love, love, love that. Like Odessa, Petite Biscuit. Like the Black Eyed Peas remixes and stuff? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take some old school <laughs> stuff. This, since like the beginning of the year, I've been listening to like old school remixes where they're like blending some like yeah, yeah. things. David Guetta. Yeah. But not even that type of, like it's like, it's definitely a certain so, type. Yes. Okay. It's huh. so good. And I'll That's find hilarious. like YouTube channels that will do like a three hour remix of <laughs> like, so here's, just if people are like wondering, it's so good. Darley Jefferson. Some of his stuff isn't super clean, but there's a few Darley Jefferson mixes. Do you have the album art or something? Um, it's like, yeah, oh, I don't, like, it's going to, like, turn it on. Yeah, I've like, been places fine. before where, like, I pull, oh, I was doing a workshop one time at a medical uh, center, oh. and I pulled up my phone to look for something, and, and it, it started on. playing the music, and I was like, stop it, stop it. Um, so funny. Okay, so the song, though, not in this genre, I would say the song that I'm loving right now is Andrew Bell, Oh My Stars. Ooh, I like okay. Andrew Bell. That's, I love it. That's amazing. Like the anime art. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's, uh, so the best one, I, one of my favorites would be um, Darlie Jefferson. No, no. It's mu- Magic Music Mix. Oh my goodness. Magic Music Mix. So, so funny. Have you always liked that type of music? I think it, why it surprises me yeah. is I don't know that I know anyone mm. who listens to like, even though there's so much of it on yeah. YouTube. Like I feel like. Yeah, there's so much. It's yeah. a whole yeah. it's a whole culture. Yeah. Which I am not a part of that culture. Like I don't go to like music shows. However, right. when I was a young person, I grew up like going to like clubs to see like metal bands. Whoa. <laughs> so like but like X on your hands, like underage yeah, club, yeah, like you yeah, go yeah. and you don't have you can't buy alcohol. Um I went to a lot of live music shows. I mm. probably have hearing loss because of it, because wow. it was so ridiculous. Oh but like everything. I would see everything from like like Christian, like TFK, yeah, to like yeah, yeah. metal bands, and That's we would like so go funny. see them. So there's a lot of that. So, but it's noise to me now. Like mm. I hear it, it's too much. So this is like one step back. Mm. Um, and yeah, I will do you listen still to it listen to metal now? No, you're done with metal. No, not even a little huh. bit. No. Do you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah. It just Whoa. feels like noise. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that's part of why I listen in headphones is because I try to only be doing like one thing at a time when I'm listening to music. Yeah. Um, like if someone in my family is talking to me and the radio's on I'm like turn it off like I can't yeah. we can't talk and have Whoa. like this is too much and so my partner will play the Alexa when I'm not home <laughs> as soon as I come home I'm like oh, turn it off I can't there's like sensory overload but I have uh, like a loud family so mm, that's yeah. so funny but oh, Andrew Bell Oh My Stars is so beautiful and this is one to like put your headphones on and like yeah. lay on the floor with your eyes closed mm. and just like breathe it's so beautiful Aww. That's I nice. feel like I knew In My Veins by him. Is that yeah. an Andrew yeah, Bell yeah. song? I yeah, think so. I think that's yeah, one yeah. I knew by him. Old one. I knew that one too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thank you so much for <laughs> coming. For coming. It's been fun. so fun. It's <laughs> Thanks, been guys. awesome. And um, uh, 
DM us if you have more questions for Steph. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a <laughs> we'll more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Peace out. Bye.